Hello and welcome to episode 84 of the Game Train Podcast. Episode 84, also known as Indie Centric 4. That's right, the episode where we take a look at only indies on our special yearly indie episode event. Joining me here is Carl Lyrical Smith. Hello, Carl. Oh, bah, bah, bah. Hello, everybody. Yeah, he's here. Um, yeah, so we are doing a pre-record of this one rather than an actual live stream because the main game we were reviewing for Indiecentric 4, Carrion, is, well, was under embargo, but I just got an email saying that the embargo is lifted. So... What, right now? <laughs> yes! Yeah. Oh, so we could be live. <laughs> we could be live, but we're not doing it live. We're just going to pre-record because on the same day, we're That's actually going to do a live one. So rather than just smashing ourselves doing two liveies, we're pre-recording, then doing a live one of 85 later tonight. But that's for all then. This is all about the indies, though. So we're going to be, as I said, reviewing the new indie game, Carrion. We'll be talking about The Messenger, West of Dead, Katana Zero, something else that Kyle said he played. Heaps is the Ruiner, Super Liminal. Yes, that's all. Golf. That's there's right. Stuff there, talk about. There's a lot of indies. It's all that? it's did. all indies from top to bottom, from news to the lame love and hype trends. But first, before all that, let's actually get into that news. Okay, so the news in the indie world this week. Devolver Digital had a big digital event, of all things. Yes. Um, there was a bunch of announcements, kicking off with Shadow Warrior 3, which is a hack and slash game, coming out in 2021. Uh, Ooh, yep, nice. Everyone's favourite upcoming indie Fall Guys, which is the Battle Royale party mode game, which looks absolutely hilarious and fun. Finally got its release date. It's coming out on August 4 on PS4 and yes. PC. Sorry, Xbox fans, you miss out. Ah, uh, bugger. But, you know, at least we have all of them. Mm -hmm. So we'll be right. I'm yeah. actually really excited for that one. It, Only from word of mouth and yes. your mouth. Thank you. No, I played it at PAX last year and it was awesome. I had no idea what it was and someone dragged me across to the booth and said, you've got to play this game. I'm like, okay. And it was great. It was awesome. Uh, it's There's a closed beta happening this weekend. But yes, the actual release date is August 4th. So not long to wait now. It's like 10 days away. So get hype. Uh, nice. Another game they showed off on the Devolver Digital Showcase was Elysia, which is a platforming exploration game. It's coming to Switch and PC in 2020. Yes, more and, for Switch. Thank you. And also Serious Sam 4 was showing off called Planet Badass, is coming out in August for Stadia and PC. Ew, Stadia's still a thing. Yeah, okay. Stadia, Stadia's still there somehow. And also, right. uh, another indie game we checked out at PAX a couple of years ago now, Necro Barista, which is the story-based game based in a um, Melbourne coffee shop, but a link to sort of the afterlife. Um, that is out... Now, on Steam, if you want to go get it. Yeah, that was a really interesting one. I remember we, we had a look and had a chat to one of, if not the developer. I don't know if it's a whole team or... Oh, it's a team. Um, yeah, and we, we spoke to one of them and it was, I remember just being like really impressed with just the premise. Maybe because it was so localized. It was, you know, yeah. Limbo and 
kind of limbo between the afterlife and now, but it was a, a Melbourne coffee shop. That's and right. That's where you go and have your chats before you move on to the next phase or something. It looks really cool. So I wonder how far it's come in those. What, was that 2017? Yeah, yeah. And even back then, wow. they it was weird because back then they're like, oh, yeah, well, we're looking at launching in the next six months or whatever. Well, it's been a couple of years now. So they've had, you know, a lot going on there. So hopefully it's really good. We're going to uh, check yeah. that out sometime. I'm keen to see what happened, what happened to it after seeing where it was then and see how much it's changed. So that's pretty cool. Nice. Do you have any news? Uh, let me see. I'll just double check here because we like to make sure that everything in this is indie centric. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think all my news that I've got sitting in front is regular, not indie news. So we'll talk about that next episode. Okay. All right. And that's the indie news sound effect. So a running gag here is that my news outro cue is way too long and it just happened to me again. Wow. <laughs> so note to self, I've got to cut that sound effect down and replace it. So, uh, yeah, we is hit... this the third note to self. Yeah. 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 It's becoming a thing now. It's becoming a thing. I'm, I'm going to put that in my lame train until you fix it. Oh no. Okay, so uh, games we've been playing, which is obviously all indies because indie-centric. We are here with indie-centric, yes. so let's kick it off. Um, <laughs> the first game we sort of looked at this week was West of Dead. Boy, yes we did. Uh, West, we- of West of Dead is developed by Weststream and... Oh, wait, sorry. Developed by Weststream Arcade. And published by Raw Fury. That's right. I couldn't even read my own typing then. It was that bad. So it wow. is a isometric roguelike game where you are kind of like in the afterlife. And you... It's it's like... But with a Western theme. So... Yeah, you're a, you're a cowboy with a... Flaming skull for a head like Ghost Rider. You look just like Ghost Rider if you yeah. were cosplaying as a cowboy. Yeah, that's right. That's the best way to sum it up. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you got two guns, pistols, I suppose. Yeah, you got pistols, shotguns, etc., rifles, uh, all Wild West sort of guns, and you go through these sort of randomized levels progressing, and then if you die, you got to start again, but... Yep. Yeah, not all of your stuff carries over. Like in other roguelikes I've played, um, a lot carries over, like every skill you get, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you level ups and that. So then every subsequent playthrough from that stage on is easier up until you get to where you are. That's kind of what a roguelike no- normally goes as, right? Like, yeah, like Dead Cells. Dead Cells are great way they did it. Going back to the start, but you get every ability you've learned and, and all this. And yep, it, you just don't get your weapons you and just load out. Yeah, exactly. And um, this one, it seems to take a lot more away from you and punish you a lot more for, for dying, I felt. Um, I didn't get a lot through the game, so maybe you get to keep more as you go. But I felt it was very, very punishing compared to other roguelikes I've played. Yeah, and punishing isn't always, especially for you. Like for me, it's it's uh, quite a, a big turnoff straight away on a game. But for you, I've seen you play through games that are a lot more punishing. But the thing that this game does is what 
a punishing game shouldn't do in that it's not only punishing, it's also like incredibly boring. And I don't know how they do it because all the elements are interesting. Yeah. But they come together in, in just a way that's really dull and hard to play. So it's not punishing as in it's just difficult. It's like a book that's hard to read and you just, you hear about it and the plot is great, but the more you try and get through a chapter, you just find yourself rereading it because it's just written badly or something's dull about the actual execution. And that was how I found West of Dead. I just couldn't bring myself to keep playing it. There was yeah. something just like so dead about it so which is a great word to have in there in their title but it just felt dull and i don't know like the art style was very pretty i liked it yep but i don't the music was awesome really good music the sound design was great uh you know the the moves weren't particularly bad or anything i can't put my finger on what it was but it was a chore every time i jumped in yeah yeah i i just didn't have the sort of I don't know, I just didn't have the pull to keep going. Like, Dead Cells, straight away. As soon as I died and went back to the start, I wanted to keep going. And, and this like, okay, I see where I went wrong. I got this. Let's try again. In this one, I had several goes and died, and it was demoralizing every time I died. Like, yeah, cause compared to Dead Cells, it. where it was like, oh, cool, okay, I've got this or this now. Okay, this is going to make it a lot easier. I get this. I know I'm going to be out of progress. Whereas this one, I was like, it was a struggle to get back to where I was and then push on from there. So yeah, and Dead Cells, or and a lot of them like um, Enter the Gungeon and all that kind of thing. The thing they have about them that is so fun as a roguelike is they're so fast. So once you get good at it, even if you don't have anything, you because of your own skill that you're learning, you can quickly get up to somewhere getting past bits that you no longer need a tutorial or an explanation for because you're just better at it. Even though it's procedurally generated, you're so much better at navigating and you jump and you, you spin around and you, you know, kill the lesser bad guys really quickly in new and exciting ways. And it's just bam, 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 fast, fast action. And then you die and like, let's go again. I got this. I'll quickly get there again. And this is just, even if you're good at it, the actual execution of the gameplay is slow and sluggish gray and brown <laughs> yep. yeah i just i yeah. didn't like it at all I, like no. this is weird because i liked the pieces it was made of it wasn't garbage you know yeah it's it's not a bad like it. it's not a bad game it's just it didn't really re- it might it, be it didn't resonate it might be a bad game really i don't know why though so that's why i can't really put it down and say this game sucks because I wish I could nail it. I, you know, I usually have some sort of, even if it's just on my own opinion, I usually have a little bit of a spiel I can say of why I didn't like this. And I'm just, it, oh, it would just yucky, woofy, woofy, yucky. Woofy, woofy. So that's West of, that's West of Dead. So the other one we, we tried out, which almost felt like a polar opposite to West of Dead, was East of Dead. No, I'm joking. <laughs> East of Life. East of Life. No, uh, it was called The Messenger. Now, yes, now we are late to the train. Oh, oh we are so late, like two years late to this one. Uh, it came out a couple of years ago. Publisher is Devolver Digital, and it was developed by Sabotage. Now, The Messenger is an 8 slash 16 bit game because the uh, whole 
I guess, uh, premise. premise of it was, hey, you can play an 8-bit and eventually switch between that and 16-bit graphics. And it's a big throwback to your old Ninja Gaiden sort of um, style games where it's a 2D platformer, you're a ninja. Yeah, and you go through story-based as well. Story-based and you go through these levels and that. And straight up, like, it just felt so smooth and slick. Oh, it felt and great to play. And 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 awesome, and you slowly get new skills throughout the game. Like, you start out, and then you eventually get, like, a grappling hook, and then you can shoot onto walls, and and, and all this new... The presentation you, was beautiful. And you move through these levels, and you fight these huge bosses, and it wasn't... Like, it was a hard game, but it wasn't a punishing game in the fact that there's plenty of save points, and you can choose yep. if you want to do the really hard content with these little sort of power cores that you can choose to pick up yes which work kind of like the strawberries in celeste if anyone remembers those yeah so they're optional but um challenging sections as well but so you go through the game and then you eventually get to the bit where you can switch between 8 and 16 bit which is going from present day into the future which was really really cool and yes it was and it's just great how they do it like when you're going through the levels and then there might be a like a portal thing and then you switch back to 8-bit and then you switch to 16-bit and the levels change and it was really cool but then there's the kicker that halfway through the game it turns into well, like no the game should, the game just a quick years. spoiler warning it doesn't matter it's still a beautiful brilliant game you you didn't know so just to, just let's give it a one minute Let's fast forward at least a minute. Spoiler warning right right now. So you got five seconds. Okay. Five, four, three, two. Okay, you must have at least pressed forward, that 30-second forward button twice by now if you don't want it spoiled. Okay. Because uh, so, turning into 16-bit wasn't the spoiler. No, uh, the spoiler was halfway through the game. The game turns into almost like a Metroidvania in a way that you can choose where you go in each level. Um, yes. ba- back and forth, and all the levels are interconnected to each other, and you get yeah. Whereas previously, you play level to level. Every time you finish it, yeah. on the screen it says, "Well done, next level." Yeah, different boss, different backgrounds. Yep, yep. Well, this time, yeah, you're going. All the levels are interconnected. You can go back through them, and you can access new areas by switching between past and and future or present and future timelines. Yes, I. It so was. This is not to be understated. It changes genre mid-game. Yeah. <laughs> like the whole game changes genre, not just to 16-bit and the same thing again. Like the concept, every world you played, you can now play in 16-bit. And they're all like Callan said, interconnected. It becomes like a big flat 2D open world that you're only blocked off in certain areas because you need different items to be able to get there. It's incredible. Yeah, it, it was really, really well done, and it threw me when it happened. I was like, oh, my God, what is this? Yes. This is amazing. I was watching Callan live because I'd just gone through it the day before, and I was watching with my housemate, and we're like, okay, check him out now. Watch his face when he finds all this out. And he's like, it's a map? Like, <laughs> uh, it was really cool. Uh, and there's still, like, bosses and whatnot. Um, and that's probably as much of our um, spoiler part in case anyone's caught up now. I do also want to say that the writing is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's hilarious. It's really funny, but not just that. It's also really clever. Yeah. Um, and um, when you go to the shop, 
every single time you go to a new shop where you just you buy your upgrades and talk to a guy who's in a, in robes and stuff, one of the options is tell me a story. And he has a different story for every shop you go to. And these stories are sometimes funny, sometimes really deep and meaningful and beautiful stories. And sometimes like, or very often they have an obvious moral at the end, but then there's a bit of banter between the main character and the shopkeep. And then he tells you what else you can take from the story. And there's always like two or three other ways of looking at it that are like really deep. And then within the game itself, as you play through, there's references to every one of the stories he tells hidden in the actual background of the game, which is just this whole underside. How did you like those bits, Callum? They're good. I guess you could say they're like messages to you. I suppose you could. And it's a message that's getting across. Now, I, I, I didn't read them all because I was actually streaming most of this game. Yeah, yeah, and it wouldn't have been as very entertaining. Um, but at the same time, I did read a couple and they're quite good and quite thought provoking and deep and, and it's a good message they put across there. I did it again. Wow. Very good. One of them even had like, oh, the shopkeep was just saying, oh, this is not only deep. I've just given you the cure for anxiety right here in this game, right in this story. And he's like, you're welcome. And it's like, whoa. Just dropping bombs like that. It was, yeah, it was really cool that they just had that, like, well-written sort of story in amongst everything else. And everything they did, genre-wise, presentation-wise, even the music changes quality when it goes into 16-bit. Yeah. Which is so cool to hear all the different themes in every level, which, by the way, are brilliant. Oh, yeah. Later on, you can find ways to choose your own song that you're listening to at the time via a jukebox you can do it in the menu and just have a little selection through because it's so great and it's so fun to hear the comparison of the 8-bit tune and theme of a certain world and then the 16-bit version of that but yeah everything from genre to presentation gameplay to writing was just stellar like they just nailed it which is so weird because there's so much in there yeah so it'd be so easy to just kind of half-ass everything and still be a decent game because there's so much and you give them leeway. But they they really just nailed everything masterfully, I think. Yeah, it was, Loved it. It was an absolutely excellent indie. And if you have not played The Messenger, I applaud you to go do it. It's uh, on Game Pass right now. So if you have that on Xbox, you don't even have to pay any extra for it. Well, there you go. You can just jump in for free. Check out this awesome game. Look, the game's only probably about eight hours long. Maybe, maybe a little longer. I don't know. I, I did about seven hours to get to the midpoint where everything did the switcheroo. Oh, right. Okay. And I was reading all the stories. So I think it's pretty long, man. Like, I think yeah. it's, if you're not reading the story, maybe five to six hours halfway. Yeah, okay. I'm sure you could speed run it, you know, whatever. But Oh, pe- people average, speed run it in like an hour. Yeah, exactly. I, I reckon you could... Um, well, I don't know. The bosses would slow you down. Mm. But I think... About 10 hours, if, if you put all that second bit on yeah. top of it. But yeah, I went and did all the extra optional hard areas as well, which was really cool. And Yes, you did all the extra collectibles, which I would love to know what that does, but uh, don't tell me, because I'm won't. still yet to I'll, do it. I won't. Um, and then, yeah, I uh, yeah rolled credits on it, and it was fantastic. And I, awesome. I, I can't wait to check out their next game, which is coming out next year, which is called 
what is it? Sea of Stars. Sea of Stars. Yeah, yes. sea, which is oh, a, that looks so good. Which is an RPG, and it looks like a very big throwback to games like Chrono Trigger, etc. So, yes, and and it looks a bit like that um, Secret of Mana vibe yeah. as well, mm-hmm. a little bit in there. Yeah, and I just know they're gonna nail it because of just. I mean, you know, who knows? You you just never know. I used to think Bioware was a sure thing, so let's just move on from that. Okay. Uh, so what else have you checked out during Indie Week? Uh, I also looked at a, uh, a really interesting go- game called Superliminal. Okay. Um, I don't know if any of you guys have checked this out, listeners, but it's, it's a very portal-like. There's even a voice in the background that's like this female robot overlord type thing that's making you run tests basically and each okay. room has different puzzles so it's it's very much like portal in that way but yeah the gimmick this time is not a portal gun it's the concept of uh what what do we even call this um perception um geez i can't even think of the word it's completely lost me now where something looks big from near and small from far away okay you, do you know it? I'm, I'm the lyrical. I have all words. Yes. Um, and, and you draw the lines when you draw a building, and it's got the little lines that make it big and small from a distance, and okay. you can tell how far something is. Okay. What is that word? Perspective. I've, that's the one. Thank you. Oh, I nearly tore my face off. Um, so all the puzzles are based on perspective, and it, it's, it works in like you can pick a simple item up right next to you. And then if you hold it close to your face and it looks really big, as soon as you let go of it, that item will now appear further away in the screen, but be massive, like a giant version of itself. So it, you could be picking up like a little die or a chess piece or, um, you know, a, a can of Coke or something. And you can place different pieces of them next to each other as steps or a way to get out of a building or something. Or you could pick up something massive like almost the size of a building and you could hold it right up to your face and turn around to face a wall and drop it so it's so small it fits into a keyhole all kinds of different really cool things like that and it was actually besides the fact that it was very much just ripping off portal it was i found it really clever and just clean genuine fun so it's if you want to jump in and just play like some sort of brain teaser type game this one's really worth it i had a lot of fun with it um, it makes you think outside of the box, just like when Portal was like, now you're thinking with Portals. This game was very similar with its gimmick and did a lot of cool things with it. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Super liminal. Uh, did you check out anything else um, indie-wise? Uh, the only other one I really played was uh, What the Golf. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah. Did you enjoy that in the end? Yeah, well, we spoke about it the other week on a podcast. I still haven't finished it. But it's been great. It's been a really fun game where What the Golf is this... Oh, It's a game for people that hate golf, but you everything is to do with golf in that you... Um, like, it starts off just hitting the ball, but then you end up using the club, and that's your ball, but then a tree could be the ball. It's so hard to explain. It's so hard to explain, but it's so good. It is such a good little it's, indie game. Yeah, every level, and there are dozens dozens of levels maybe over a hundred even there's a lot of levels and every single one of them some are easier than others uh, they all have a different mechanic yeah um, and it just gets wild and so creative when you think they've done everything they even do like i don't know if you got up to any of these Callum, but they do ones that are like you're in uh, 
a Western setting, like at saloons and stuff, and suddenly you're in a first-person shooter, and you're literally just shooting targets, and oh. you have to use your. If you're on the switch, you have to use your switch to look around. All right. It, you're looking down at the switch as if you're playing it, you know, at your lap or something, and all it says is "look up." So you lift your switch up, and all of a sudden it's this whole scene. And you can see like plates in the sky or barrels or bottles that you've got to shoot. Ah! And you're shooting it with golf balls. And and there's bits where like there's pianos that have to play itself, but you have to shoot the keys. Uh, it gets insane. And then there's um, oh, there's ones where so there's a bit where when you pull back on the golf ball to show how strong your hit's going to be, there's a red arrow that points in a certain direction, like in most golf games. Mm -hmm. Suddenly there's a level where you use that red arrow to hit golf balls around yeah. as if it's pinball. Yeah. It's just wild. And then I implore you to finish this game, Callum. Even if you don't 100% it, it's not that hard once you just kind of smash through. And if you're not trying 100% it, which I'm very proud to say that I did. Yeah, I got obsessed with this game. I was up like late at night in bed playing it. One of those games where I'd get up to levels that just took me like hours and hours to finish, but I'd do it. I'd stay up all night, get it done be like, yep, I'm doing this. I don't know why, but something just compelled me to finish this game to 100% completion. Uh, but the ending is really cool, Callan. It's not what you'd expect. Uh, it's, um, it's very interesting. It kind of reminded me of the ending of Golf Story in how just things unravel in a way that you didn't see coming, but you're just like, oh yeah, that ex this game, trust this game to do something like that. Very, very nice. cool, very big, very worth it. But yeah, loved what the golf. So uh, another one I spoke about last year, actually, on Indecentric was Katana Zero. Yes. Uh, uh, and you've now played it. How did you find that? Yes. Uh, very addictive fun. This game was really cool. And you were telling me that I'd enjoy it because it had that kind of Celeste Super Meat Boy thing where if you just get touched once, you're dead. Mm -hmm. So you have to like clean a room out without being touched yeah uh, and and there'll be like certain bunch of bad guys and you can walk through and throw pot plants at them and break open doors and you know cut them up or reflect their bullets and everything and you'll die and it'll rewind you back to the start of that screen or that scene mm -hmm. and sometimes it takes ages but it's always worth it because once you've done it all they replay the whole scene to you in real time and you yep. can just watch yourself be this you're, you're sort of a badass samurai in a modern setting okay which is why it's really cool and like there's all and there's a really cool story as well that's all happening in the back it's visually beautiful uh, it's 2d sort of pixel art but beautiful animation bright colors very neon like it's almost like samurai cyberpunk oh okay in, yep in a way yeah and uh, I don't know. The only thing for me is after playing through The Messenger, which was just so cleverly written, this game is quite, um, the story is a little bit heavy in it and it seemed to take itself a bit too seriously for me. Okay. And yeah. which is fine, but it also force feeds it to you. Yeah. Whereas in The Messenger, like you, if you don't, if you just want to do cool stuff, collectibles and fight bosses and be, and have a lot of fun and see all the vistas, you can do that. Yeah. Or you can jump in like me and like dive into the story and look into all the morals and whatever, if you want. Whereas this, I kind of just wanted to do it Callan style and just play through all the rooms and see the puzzle and, you know, like really enjoy the visuals, but it doesn't let you. It, it slowly takes you through all the cutscenes, and 
it's written in a way that's a little bit more like it does take itself really seriously so if you're not in that mood you kind of have to be anyway yeah that kind of took me back a little bit so i I did love playing it but it it did i just wanted that rush that that buzz of playing messenger because i had just played that before jumping in and i wanted to go 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 i want to try the next thing show me the next thing yes you know so i did i really did like it i love the option but i wish for the first time i find myself saying i wish there was a skip button in the stories because I just, yep, you can clip that. I just, I don't think I've ever said that, but I just didn't care. And mm-hmm. I think it's the messenger's fault. Oh, I, you know, it must be a mindset thing, but yeah, I did enjoy the gameplay very much. Cool. Uh, was was there anything else you played? There was one more, wasn't there, that you tried? Yes. Um, oh, sorry, I should have said uh, Katana Zero. That's from developer Akisoft, mm-hmm. publisher also Devolver Digital. Oh, okay. Uh, and Sub- Superliminal I spoke about was developed and published by Pillow Castle. Okay. Um, and What the Golf was developed and published by Triband. Okay, you yes. mentioned these, as you was, Callan did bring up to me before we uh, recorded, which was a really good point, that mentioning the developer and publisher is super, super important in the indie-centric episode because these guys need as much word of mouth and spread of their name as possible, yep. unlike when we're talking about Fortnite or COD or something. If we slip and forget to say who published it, don't think it matters as much yeah yeah exactly so um, yeah there was one more you tried out that you were telling me yes about. the one other one was ruiner yeah which is from raycon games also published by devolver digital mm-hmm. i see a pattern here these guys are awesome uh devolver um, digital would like our bag of money now please yes please if you could just <laughs> send it to callan's house <laughs> he's very bored um yeah, Ruina has been out for quite a while. I didn't get the release date, so I, I want to say uh, at least two years on Steam. Okay, yeah. Uh, and it just got released on uh, on the Switch, and I was very keen to check it out because I did jump in on, on Steam when it first came out because it looked so cool. It's a top-down, isometric, kind of, again, cyberpunky type game. That's, uh, it's it's kind of an action game, a bit, bit of a... Um, um, what do you... Um, like a dual, dual stick shooter kind of thing. Okay. Except with a sword, mm-hmm. which is kind of weird because this is, man, a lot of this stuff is samurai themed recently. Oh, yeah. Because you are in a modern sort of setting uh, and, and you're, you're some sort of hacker, cool, cyberpunky, modern looking dude with a robot face with words on it. Uh, but you're just running it and it's, it's got this cool bullet timey slowdown stuff where you're fighting enemies. It's all real time. Um, and it is quite tricky. That's the thing I found about this was this one is really hard. Like they beat the hell out of you in this. So you got to do things a lot and re-repeat them. It's not quite as forgiving and the gameplay wasn't as cool as something like Katana Zero, but you can just keep getting back in there and going over and over again. And when you nail it, it does feel really cool. The setting's really beautiful. Just check out some screenshots if you're, if you're wondering, and it, that sold it to me alone, just seeing what it looked like. It just felt like a really clean, isometric action game, and it is what it looks like on the box. It doesn't kind of let you down. The story's pretty, it does also take itself really seriously, but it's very background, and you can just play through it and plow through it like Callan and I did with Torchlight or something. Hmm. Nice. Uh, but yeah, I had a lot of fun. Cool. Runa. Nice. Nice. Well, yeah, so that wraps up the games we have been playing. Um, so I guess we should roll into our review. Yes? 
Yes, let's do it. Okay, all right. And this week we are reviewing Carrion. Carrion is developed by Phobia Game Studios and published by Devolver Digital. It is a uh, a 2D Metroidvania-style-like game where instead of playing as like a hero and chasing down villains and all that sort of stuff, you instead play as the bad guy, pretty much, which you are a big pile of biomass. You are this creature... I guess. I, I don't even know how to explain it. You're like this weird creature that evolves throughout the game. Let's call him Carrion. Yes. So you play as Carrion. Well, I mean, he does look like Carrion. Did you look up what Carrion was? No. It's like chum. You know, like the stuff they use out of like animal parts that they use as bait for sharks and animals. and <laughs> Right. That's that's what Carrion actually is. So you kind of are Carrion. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you're this, you're this red biomass that has tentacles and multiple mouths. Um, yes. And, and Gross. the uh, you start off in a um, bio security lab sort of thing. You break out, and the objective of the game is for you to escape, pretty much get out there into into the world. Yes. Um. So, yeah, it goes on from there. And, yeah, as I said, it's like a Metroidvania-style game. So it's it's one of those ones how you go through, there's areas that are locked off when you need a certain skill, like to, like, break down a wooden barricade, etc. You eventually get those skills that let you you do this. And throughout the game, we, we mentioned that you evolve. So you start off quite small, but as you progress through the game and you, you gather more biomass from these little canisters, etc., you actually get quite large and you start getting yep. different skills depending on the size of your carrion. Yes. Uh, and um, and you, you get sort of bigger and smaller with health as well and by eating people once you are at a certain size. That, that's right. So um, the enemies in this game are all the people in this research facility. So you're pretty much... Uh, climbing around his research facility, sliding up and down through like drain pipes vents and, and vent, vents and, yeah. and and all that sort of stuff. And you sort of like almost stealth around at times because you can actually die quite quick if you get shot. But, you know, yes. you, you pop out of a vent and you'll eat a human, you'll get your health back and you take down the next one. And then, yeah, you, you sneak back in. You really feel like a monster. You do feel like this horrific monster, like the movie Alien. You almost feel like that. Yeah. That, that xenomorph. That yeah. xenomorph vibe in this weird way. And they are terrified of you and you almost feel bad. You're all... You don't know what they're like. You're just eating them. Yeah. And you throw your tentacles across the room, you grab them, you bring them towards your mouth and you eat them up. And then, yeah. Um, we mentioned, yeah, you grow in size, but you can actually, depending on what size you are, so there's multiple stages of size for this carrion beast, like from very small to quite large. And depending on what size you are, depends on what skills you can actually use. So when you're very small, you get this, um, extra tentacle, which can go out and hit levers. But if you're very large, you don't get that. Instead, you get the ability to charge through a wall or whatever. So, and this all works 
against the enemy, well, the humans as well. So you can like ram them or throw the tentacle at them and kill them in that way. Yeah. So, d- d- and depending on the situation, you've got to change size by dropping off biomass in a pool and then um, heading out a smaller you, pulling the levers, going back to the pool, turning into um, eating that biomass again, turning into a bigger carrion, sneaking out again and then ramming through the. Uh, you know, the doors open, you ram through then the wooden thing, you go into the next area. So there's all these little puzzle out, which are quite good. It has you thinking. And then eventually in the game, I think you, there's like three or four sizes and you're constantly switching between them um, to solve puzzles. Yes. It's almost like switching your tools because in, instead of having a different button for every upgrade, it's the same button every time. So you can't actually use one at the same time as the other. So you always have to be constantly getting rid of some of your size and changing to smaller or bigger and also you fit in different areas and whatnot yeah which is a really interesting way of doing it like i hadn't seen this done there's a few things they're doing that's just quite unique yeah yeah so um yeah like the graphics are just um you know 2d sprites and all that it's very simple graphics but it looks really cool it like um, yeah the animation's beautiful watching the way you move with your tentacles and all that yeah and, and it's weird because you can pretty much move anywhere. You you just shoot your tentacles out and boom, you just climb up the walls or across the ceiling down into the water. So the freedom of movement is quite quite generous in this. Yes, it is. It feels, it adds to the power too. You feel really powerful, almost like you're flying. Yeah. Because you can just go anywhere, absolutely anywhere. Just press up, down, left, right, and you'll go there. Right to the very top of the roof, vice versa. Uh, so the game, I played it on PC as did you. Um, the yes. game is uh, mostly controlled with the mouse to move your carrion monster, and then there's a few keys for different abilities that you can use. But you tried out a controller as well at one stage? Yes, uh, because this game is coming out on Xbox and the Switch. I thought I'd play it on an Xbox controller to see what the uh, console gameplay was like. And it felt great and normal, uh, as much you know, as intuitive as, as you'd think. But as soon as I used the mouse, you could just tell really quickly... Oh, this game was built with the mouse and keyboard in mind. Yeah. It's just so much more fluid. I didn't think it would be because it's a 2D platformer, you know, on the surface. That's what it looks like, like just a, yeah, a, you know, Metroidvania. And I thought this is definitely a, you know, left and right D-pad and press some jump buttons. And I want my trigger buttons for all my moves. That's where my head was. At. I'm like, I don't know if this will work with the mouse and keyboard. Like it will, but. I thought I was going to, you know, ASDW with the jump on the space bar, whatever. Yeah. But it's so fluid and beautiful using the mouse because you kind of click somewhere and you hold down that button and he flows towards where you are, almost like following you like liquid. And then to shoot things or to break doors and things, you can just kind of click on anything with the mouse and you, you can hold down a, a door or an object and kind of with the flick of your wrist, that power is registered as how hard you throw the item. Yeah. Which just doesn't translate anywhere near as nicely with the analog sticks because you have to, you can't just pick a thing and click on it. You have to actually already be using the analog stick to find the object. And once you're there, you can't then like flick back and forth as easily as you can with the mouse. It was so fluid with the mouse, man. I loved it. Nice. Um, so that was cool. I thought the sound effects were really cool of just, Move, oh my god! Moving yes. around and the sounds of the monsters, so you can roar at the humans and they all scream them. and yell and run away. And I, yeah, I, I yeah. just thought like the general sound effects were really cool in this game. 
it all leads to that real great feeling of power, doesn't it? Like you, they really do make you feel like a powerful, feared beast, like scary monster. Yes. Um, yep. And you talking about the sound effects, which reminds me about the dynamic music. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that is actually creepy. Like if you turn it up, have it in your earphones, you'll just be like moseying around doing your thing. And then you hear like the strings sort of build up in the brass when um, there's humans in the scene. And then as soon as you attack one, the music just builds like, dun, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. and then the more you attack, it's just like more music. And as soon as you back off and hide, it's, you know, like it, it quietens down, but really naturally all like very dynamic. You really feel like you're in a horror movie. And mm-hmm. they did it so well. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I was, I was, and it's just like all pixel art. It is. But they yes. still make it like creepy. Yeah. You feel genuinely like either creeped out or excited, or there's like real rush in there. Like these, these pixel art games are just getting to a stage where they're just done so beautifully. Because I guess with the minimal amount of actual visual horsepower, they can put so much more into like just the way it feels, like in the movement and in the music and, and making that atmosphere work exactly how they want. Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, like th- there's a few things I had issue with in this game. Uh, yeah. One was, um, all the areas do look very samey, even though. Yes. I did I get, say that to you at the start. You're, you're in this facility, but then you go into like a more of a forest area or a cave area and that, but every area still felt very much, the same as the one before it and then there is no mini map or or anything like this and there was things i wanted to go back to later in the game and i completely forgot where they were i i had no idea how i was going to get back to where those extra i like um biomass things canisters because there's bonus ones you can find Um, because i'm like oh i've got this ability i remember there was something but i can't even remember which facility area it is in because everything felt so much the same and i'd get lost yep. quite often because of this as well that there weren't thing like I'd, I'd stumble across areas that i'd been to by accident instead of finding them because yes i was just getting so lost and i'd just go for like a 20 minute slosh around through events trying to figure out where stuff i'd missed was and i just wouldn't find it i'm um, just and when you go back through areas, if you kill stuff, it doesn't respawn. So it was just empty things. And it was just very lackluster backtracking through it for things later yeah. on. I completely agree. That's the main point I'd written down in the bad points is a little samey. <laughs> yeah. And not a lot of direction can feel lost uh, a bit too easily. So yeah. exactly, exactly what you said. And, I was feeling that too. There's no real like telltale of where you've been either. No, no. Like we were yeah. talking about the messenger before and that did it quite well in, in terms of if you were backtracking somewhere, you kind of knew where you were going and you could plot it out quite easy. This going from like the messenger into this, I was, I was constantly getting lost and I normally don't get lost in games. Like I'm normally, I normally know what's around me and where I'm going or what this was just spinning me out. I was just, all over the shop. Yeah, that, that was a bit of a downside. Um, it is worth mentioning too that the game, they, they do some really cool creative things with controlling not just yourself. So there is like very early on in the game, you can control some humans 
yeah. uh, from a different sort of perspective. And then they add more to that as well. I don't want to say too much because a lot of the gameplay is part of the actual reveal of really cool story elements, but it's it's more than the sum of, than it seems than the sum of its parts. And it's really creative. So there is a lot to find in there. Um, it is very fun, but yeah, that, that sameness and getting lost is, is a bit of a hit to it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, as I said, yeah, the environments, yeah, felt very similar. It's, it, it's a short game as well. It's only about four hours long, so it's not a huge slog, but we don't expect indies to be overly long at the same time, you know? Yeah. Uh, generally, you know, most indies are four to six hours. Like when you look at like, um, Limbo well, inside and Inside and, and, and all that. So Journey. Journey, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah. yeah. And these are some of the best games I've ever played. So don't <laughs> discount it. Oh, no, don't don't discount it because time. of that. But, um, yeah, um, and I guess after playing it for a few hours, it, it does feel quite, in, in a way, re repetitive. I don't like to really use that word. I know. I know what you mean. It's, not a, it's nowhere near anything like West of Dead or anything. No, because um, at least it feels good. Yes, that one sort of thing that you're mainly doing, and, and or, or like you can take down areas in different ways. But I, I know what you mean. Kind of in a way where even something like Far Cry, where the gameplay is so fun and so enjoyable, but can feel repetitive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, what do you end up scoring this game? Now, the hard thing is, I wish, and I'm sure you feel the same. I wish we didn't play The Messenger this month because mm -hmm. after playing that, all other indie games just, even like something like Katana Zero, which I was so excited to play, just felt like not quite what it deserved to be mm -hmm. because I played Messenger. And this is a brand new game and I should, I should have not even be thinking of Messenger because that came out like two years ago. So, but everything kind of rang, ran true because of that like the, the sameness the repetitiveness and the the changing of the gameplay and the hooking you in and um but everything else i was saying about this is really true it is beautiful the sound design is lovely it does feel wonderful i gave this a 7.8 okay um yeah like um yeah my biggest gripe was getting lost and things like that i guess i would have liked to maybe has seen maybe more abilities along the way because, like, I'm I'm right at the very very end of the game, so I feel like I've seen everything that it has to offer. Um, yeah, it was just little things here and there that just took the polish off the whole sort of shell. I guess um, it was enjoyable. It's fun. It's different. Um, but yeah, yeah, I ended up giving it um, an eight out of ten. I thought I thought it was a good solid indie game. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's nice. And that is Carrion. <laughs> uh, okay, so yes, we are heading towards the end of Indie Centric 4. But oh, I, I know, I know. We'll be back next year with Indie Centric 5. I, I, I love these little Indie Centric episodes. They're fun to just have a break from all your, your big triple A's and, you know, open yeah, worlds and, we'll talk and about all these throughout the year anyway. Oh, yeah, but this is, this is the indie episode. And um, it's just a nice dedication. 
Exactly. So it's always interesting in the months leading up to Indie Centric, and we're like, what are we going to do for Indie Centric this year? And it just all comes together like this one did. Like, yeah, um, we thought we had nothing. We had West of Dead as our lead title. We did at one stage, and then um, oh. uh, we actually got given review codes for Karen, which we'll, we'll stoke to get that. So we're like, all right, Karen's yes. going to be the head game. Um, so very thank you to Doug for that. He's an absolute champ for that. Um, yes, absolutely. And, and yeah, and then obviously the messenger and all that, and then it all just sort of fell into place from there. But um, anyway, if you want to find more Game Train stuff, you can find us at facebook.com slash Game Train Podcast. You can find us on Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash Game Train Twitch, on Twitter at Game Train Talk, on Instagram at Game Train Podcast. Nice. Yes. Uh, are you ready for those lame love hype trains of indies, sir? I'm so ready. Okay. Just, just so ready. All right, let, let's do this. First up is the lame train. Okay, so what do you use your lame train for indie-centric for? Well, besides your note to selves. Yep. For your uh, news pieces. Yep. Um... My main lame train, which I think you'll find pretty obvious, is I'm sad that I missed the messenger when it came out and that I wasn't part of the conversation when everyone else was playing it. Because yeah. I would have loved to have been playing it just to like sing its praises from the rooftops. Yep. To tell as many people as possible to experience that game. It's it's not just an indie game. Like we were saying, so many of our favorite indies are like four hours long. This is a big proper game and it really brought me back to that 16-bit, 8-bit era when we played long adventure games, yep. you know, and, and just really enjoyed them for what they were. And they were like these huge sprawling stories, even just like your Metroid and, and your Castlevania and even simple things like Donkey Kong Country, just like games that were, had interesting worlds, fun, dynamic bosses that do different things. And it's not just like bullet sponges and everything's a bit creative and silly and gamey but it was so fun and i just i'm so glad i played it but i i am a bit sad that i didn't jump in when it was part of the conversation so i could sing its praises yep. that's my main lame dream it's fair enough uh, i've gotten written down here as my lame train didn't play the messenger earlier really yeah i'm not even joking <laughs> i'm not even joking oh yeah yeah. Wow. Yeah. It, it, it's fair though. Yeah. Exactly what you said. I can't believe we missed the boat on that one. I I can't believe it. Like, it's one of those things that I had read people saying the game was very samey and all that, even though it's not. Um, and and it drags a bit, even though it doesn't. Um, and all and that's what turned me off it. Like I was like, oh okay. And I I just guess sometimes you just got to just jump in and experience something for yourself, and you might go, oh. Yeah, I agree with that. Or actually, they're completely wrong, and I don't know what they were getting at. They even get halfway yeah. in the game, and that that actually uh, brings up another really super important point that I want to talk about, and that, and that is this exact situation of uh, Callum seeing a few headlines and some reviews and missing a gem and like one of the best games we've played all year because of it is the exact reason that there can be so many podcasts and review websites and things like that of that nature you think like and we think to ourselves often as well like you know this is really fun but why are we even doing this when there's like really big famous podcasts and review 
outlets all over the world, you know, at bigger budgets. And the, the purpose is this exact thing is don't just read one review from somewhere and go, oh, they said it sucks, so I won't play it. And I'm not I'm also not saying never read a review, but it's all about finding the reviewer and the people who you resonate with once you've seen like uh, one or two games that we recommend or, or another website or different podcasts you listen to. When you find that your tastes really match up, then you have your new sort of trusted person and that's who you can go to, whether they're a big conglomerate or a small, tiny person in their garage. The opinions change so much that, you know, if you don't have someone that you trust or that you love as your go-to reviewer, then just jump in if something is looks kind of cool. You know, like so often, Callan and I, we will see something and go, oh yeah, it's getting sixes, let's not do that. And we just won't look at it. Like uh, Plague's Tale, <laughs> you know? Yeah, Plague Tale, Jesus, don't even remind me of that. A whole, the same thing again. There are gems out there that we just don't look at because we do that same thing. I love the Plague's Tale. I know, but I mean, like, it just, you yeah. just go from, like, comments or things that other people say or what it looks like or previews and go, like, oh, yeah, this is missable. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's that's why there can be so many different podcasts, and that's why this one is the best one in the world. Oh, wow. Okay, and rolling on <laughs> from there is uh, now the love train. <laughs> Uh, I might start the love train this time in case we get the same thing again. Please do. Uh, what is your love train? Yeah, um, The Messenger reminded me of all of those early 90s feels I had playing Ninja Gaiden, etc., etc., which was a brutal game, by the way. Um, yes, but it, it brung all that back. And I just missed how good that old style of 8-bit, 16-bit platforming is. Yes. So that's my love time. I just love how how great that platforming still feels all these years later. Oh man! Hey, if you are able to check out a game called Mui Malad, uh, which was a 16-bit ninja game that I played back back in the day, and it actually stars Donald Duck. Uh, but trust me, trust me on this. It's called Mui Malad, uh, M-U-I. But yeah, if if you can jump on and, and have a play of that. If you liked The Messenger and it brought you back to that time, I think this is one you might like. It's like the the animation was brilliant. It was back when Disney were making like incredible games, like when they were doing the Aladdins and all that. Mm. Um, but this one just got overlooked quite a bit. But um, good friend of ours, David, David Fisher, Degs. Yep. Uh, I played that with him and he watched over and um, I think we were both playing it at my place or something and taking turns. But that game is amazing. Very similar. Okay. But yeah, look it up. Check it out if, if you really loved that and looking back. Okay. What was your um, love train? My love train is that indie games are better than ever and look to still be going so strong. I just, I think there's so much support for them. So, so much love for them in the community and seeing them get their own directs and spotlight showcases and all that kind of like their own ones makes me just like so happy it's it's just so cool that they never went away. They just stuck around. It's just such such smaller budgets and stuff. But these are the thinkers of the gaming industry, and it's the best way it's going to grow and find new ways to, you know, for us to find new ways to play through risk taking and big thinkers, i.e., things like Fortnite. You know, like yeah. it all comes from indie people just throwing ideas around and communities like us jumping on and checking things out and 
yeah. silly little things or like Stardew, you know, made by one person. And I just, I love that they are getting their, they always have had their like time in the sun, but now they get their own directs. Yeah. You know, like a whole indie spotlight showcase and, mm -hmm. you know, and people are loving it. It's, it's like the community is being supported by developers and publishers and stuff, but also the community just really seem to be latching on so much so that unfortunately we're missing that middle ground we used to have with the double a games you know like the thq titles okay that kind of stuff there that's kind of gone now it, it kind of seems to be like your triple a mega game or your indie little love project but i love it i'm just stoked that it's still awesome and it's going stronger than ever nice what is going stronger than ever is the hype train, which we're about to roll into now. And here we go. Okay, Carl, what are you hyped for? I'm hyped for, and I'll leave you one. I'm hyped for Sports Story. Oh, okay. Yep, I'm very, very hyped for Sports Story. Uh, I'm a bit, that's... It could almost be my lame train as well, because the last time they revealed it, they said it was coming out second quarter of 2020, and oh. there has been no update. Oh, wow. We're in the third quarter of 2020. I know. It's out now. Oh, <laughs> well, it's so not. I've missed it. <laughs> it's not, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not, though. And Sports Story, for those who don't know, is the sequel to the super charming, mega wonderful Golf Story, which is a golf RPG 16-bit adventure that I fell in love with. Yeah, uh, and so did uh, quite a lot of people. It was a beautiful game set in a strange multi-biome Australia, mm -hmm. which was just the coolest thing. Beautiful writing. It was bonkers. There was it was a sports game, and you're a little boy trying to win the sports. I think you're a man, but you look like a boy because of the graphics. Uh, trying to win a golf competition, and it turns into like there's just secret agents and zombies and magic and all kinds of things and dungeons and fighting and now the next one and the golf um mechanics was so solid yeah the wind and the pressure and like just the um it was so satisfying to actually whack the ball mm -hmm. felt really cool and now that the next one coming is called sports story and it's not just golf it's all kinds of things in the trailer from soccer and baseball and just everything and then more on top of that there's dungeons and there's yeah i'm just excited and i don't know when it's coming out but i'm very hyped and i hope it just drops sometime soon because i could smash that game nice uh what are yeah, you hyped for I, i'm hyped to finally jump in and play necro barista as we said earlier oh, nice. game that we saw three years ago we've been following its development for a couple of years now and you know we normally follow you know your big games development but it's been interesting just watching the you know indies and it's like come on come out when are you coming out when are, and so it's finally out so i'm going to jump in and give that a go that would have been a, also another great headliner for an indie centric episode and i'm, I'm kind of sad that we just kind of missed out on that but still throwing it out there in in um indie centric four uh actually i think i actually had it written down two years ago for indie centric two question mark next to necro barista wow. yeah yeah so it, it's been a while um but i'm excited to actually jump in and play it yeah sweet nice mm -hmm. i like that yes it's been a really nice lame love and hype train yeah it is yes and of course the other follow-up hype is sea of stars from the uh developers of the messenger but 
does not add till next year, so it could end up headlining Indecentric 5. Ooh. It could. Oh, that would be great. It would be nice. It would be nice, but... We we'll, owe it to that developer. But we'll see. We'll see when it actually does come out, but it would be very nice if they would uh, release it around July next year. Please, Sabotage. Uh, please yes, please nice. drop uh, CS Stars around then. We'd be very grateful. <laughs> yep, or tonight. Either way. Oh, wow. Um, but yes, um, that was Indie Centric 4, everyone. That was our big indie look. We'd like to give a huge spotlight to the indies each year when we can. And we dedicate a, a nice episode to it each year. This has been our fourth indie spotlight episode now which is great, and we can't wait to see what we end up doing for the fifth, because we have no idea, generally, what we're going to do for an Indie-centric episode until, like, a week before. So we get excited, yeah. too. Yes. Um, and just before we go, I, can I quiz you? Mm-hmm. Just one, one quick question for the listeners. Do you know what all the headline indie games we have done in the last three? Uh, me or everyone? Just you. I'm oh just, no, oh, I think I already see it. So Carrion was this one. My friend yes. Pedro was the one before. Uh yes. Dead Cells was the one before that. Yes. Um Come on. I'm oh, awesome. I know the first one was Along Dark. The very first one That's was all along. of them. Is it? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah there we go. Yeah. Well done. Thanks. You're a real fan. Thanks. And just a bit of trivia, our first one ever was episode 12. Oh. Indie-centric. Oh, well, there we go. There we go. All right, there's a bit of indie-centric nostalgia for you all out there. Yeah, so we just have so little... if you're doing some pub trivia this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> and now for our final question, what are the four leading games of popular podcast Game Train's <laughs> indie-centric yearly episode? You'd be like, What? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm going to ask you one day if I'm the host and I see you somewhere <laughs> in my trivia place. Yeah. You'd be like, hands up, like that, you stranger over there. Yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you for all checking out episode 84 of The Game Train. Remember, we'll be back soon with episode 85 of The Game Train. So check that out when that drops. And uh, anything else to say, Carl, before we I hit that button? No. Come back for 85 birth year. Oh, that's going to be a good one. Okay, great. Wonderful. And this has been Game Train.